Holy Gospel, according to St. Mark, from the third chapter, glory to you, O Lord. The Holy Gospel this morning comes from St. Mark, from the third chapter, found on page 1556 of your pew Bible. Mark records. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. And when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him. For they said, he is out of his mind. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, he is possessed by Beezebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called over to him, and he began to speak them to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. And then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly, I tell you, people can be forgiven all of their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of an eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he has an impure spirit. And then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, your mother and your brothers are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers, he asked. And he looked at those seated in a circle around him and said, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The... Um, the passages that lead up to today's gospel tell how Jesus proclaimed the gospel of God throughout the region of Galilee. And during that time of proclamation, we read about Jesus and that he has driven out demons and that he has cleansed lepers and that he has healed paralytics. 
we hear about a few of these things because we know if all of the things that he did and said were listed, we couldn't contain it. No books in the world could contain it all. We know that his teaching and miracles had made him very popular. And today's gospel tells us that his popularity, it followed him. And it followed him back to his headquarters in Capernaum. And we read that when he and his disciples, they came home, that a crowd gathered again. And the crowd was so thick and they were so busy that they couldn't even eat. And most of the people who showed up at the house, they wanted something. They wanted Jesus' help in some way. But there were two other groups that we heard about this morning. And they were also concerned about Jesus. First, Jesus' family was concerned about him. And the concern they had was that he was getting overworked. And since many in his own family did not yet understand what it meant that he was the Messiah, they thought that he was having some kind of nervous breakdown, something like that. And they desperately wanted to get him out from the public eye to a quieter place where he could recover, have a little me time. Then there was another group. These were the scribes, the scribes from Jerusalem. And we know that Jesus, his popularity had drawn the attention of the religious authorities in Jerusalem. So they sent this delegation down uh, to investigate Jesus. And they quickly saw that Jesus was indeed a threat and bad for business. And so they started a campaign to embarrass him publicly. And they wanted to diminish his influence. They began saying, he is possessed by Beezable, by the devil himself. And they would say, he is by the prince of demons casting out other demons. Today's gospel presents us with three different views, three different perspectives of Jesus. Number one, the crowds, they thought that he was the Savior, even though they did not realize or understand what that meant. Number two, his family. His family thought he was having some sort of a mental or an emotional breakdown. And number three, the scribes. The scribes from Jerusalem insisted that he was colluding with the devil. Some of you have a familiarity with the writings of C.S. Lewis. And you might recognize the three groups that were just outlined through his writings. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying 
the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. I'm ready, some people say, to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing that we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He wouldn't. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he is a poached egg, or else he would be the devil, the devil of hell. No, you must make your choice. Either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, and you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He, Jesus, has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Now, it seems to me, C.S. Lewis says of himself, it seems to me obvious that he was neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however, strange or terrifying or unlikely that it may seem, I have accepted the view that he was and he is God. But wait, <laughs> there is more. In addition to the three views of Jesus that we see in today's gospel, we must notice that there is a connection between the scribes and today's Old Testament reading that Ken read. When God cursed the serpent for his part in the fall, he said this, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. Jesus is the seed of the woman. And the scribes are the seed of the serpent. How do we know that the scribes are the seed of the serpent? Well, it's not the only time that they are challenged by Jesus. In another time, recorded in John chapter 8, verses 42 through 45, Jesus said this, If God were your father, you would love me, for I came from God, and I am here. And I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father, the devil, 
and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in truth because there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of all lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Jesus himself identifies the devil as the father of the scribes. So here we see a a very subtle tactic being used for deceiving people from the scribes. The scribes who actually are in cahoots with the devil, actually are colluding with the devil, they try to embarrass Jesus by accusing him of being in league with the devil. They, they condemn Jesus when it is they themselves who are the guilty ones. Now this problem is still around today. How often have we heard about public figures condemning people who are unfaithful to the vows of marriage? And then we learn that these people themselves were having affairs. But what about us? How often do we use this deceptive tactic when God's word challenges us? When God's word convicts us of our sin, do we repent or do we accuse God's word of being divisive? How often do we complain that we are not heard when it is we who refuse to listen? To God's word? How often do we accuse others of arrogance when it is we who want our way rather than what God's word clearly teaches? And when we are honest, when we are honest, we will confess that we have often been like the scribes in today's gospel. When God's word convicts us, we attack God's word instead of repenting of our sins. This is a sign of our sinful nature. This is a sign that we love ourselves more than we love our Father who art in heaven. And this is one more proof that we are by nature enemies of God. So, if we are such sinners, how can we be saved? It'd probably be a good time to talk about that right now. And the answer to that question begins with a promise. The promise that God included in his curse. And his curse on the serpent that Ken read today. There was gospel in there. Did you hear it? Let me point it out to you. He didn't just say, 
I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He also promised this. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. And with these words, we hear the first gospel that God has promised a seed of the woman who will crush the serpent's head. A seed who will restore the beautiful relationship that humanity had had with God in the garden at creation. And Jesus fulfilled that promise of God. Even though he is God, he also became the seed of a woman. And the serpent tempted Jesus, we know that, in every way possible. But unlike us, Jesus never sinned. And Satan finally bruised the heel of the seed by, ca by causing Jesus to be tortured and nailed to a cross. And on that cross, Jesus endured the punishment that we deserved for every single one of our sins, including our hypocrisy of condemning others for sins that we ourselves commit. When Jesus did that, he crushed the serpent's head, and he made salvation available to all people, all who should believe. And once Jesus, who was the seed of woman, accomplished all that, he rose from the dead, and he ascended to the Father. So even in today's gospel, Jesus made the promise. Truly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the children of man and whatever blasphemies they utter. He could make this promise because he knew that he would crush the serpent's head. He knew that he would triumph over sin, death, and the devil. He already knew that he would secure salvation for all people. But then Jesus went on to say this, about blasphemy. But whoever blasphemes against the Holy Spirit has, never has forgiveness, but is, is guilty of eternal sin. And the Bible tells us that God sent the Holy Spirit to do two things. To create and strengthen our faith in Jesus Christ and to deliver forgiveness of sins to us through that faith, through that faith. And blasphemy against the Holy Spirit rejects that work. The Holy Spirit attempts to give faith and forgiveness, but the blasphemer rejects those gifts. Jesus went to the cross to crush the serpent's head so that we could have this forgiveness. But the blasphemer rejects the Holy Spirit's delivery of that forgiveness. And the reason this sin cannot be forgiven is that it rejects the very forgiveness that God wants to give. Blaspheming, as some in the world have suggested, isn't saying, I blaspheme. 
redeem you. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. Blaspheming, if, if you heard, is refusing to receive the gift. It's that simple. No, I don't want it. Eternal life? No, don't want it. Forgiveness of sins? No, not taking it. It's as simple and as silly as that. It's not complicated. And finally this. Jesus taught us what it means to be part of his family. He said, whoever does the will of God is my brother and sister and mother. And this is the will of God. The will of God is not that what most people think it is. And for at another time, when people asked Jesus what the work of God is, he answered this in John chapter 6, verse 29. It's really refreshing, simple, uncomplicated, doesn't even really seem like work at all. Listen. This is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. And so Jesus teaches us that those who believe in him are his true family. These are the ones whose sins are forgiven and who have eternal life. Jesus taught that those who reject forgiveness also reject their salvation. But those who believe in him are part of his family and they will receive the forgiveness of sins. And those who receive the forgiveness of sins will live with him forever. May all of you who have heard this proclamation receive this faith. Receive this forgiveness. And receive this salvation. In the name of Jesus, amen.